L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Hi, old friends. Naomi here. Did you wake up this morning thinking, I need more Naomi ridiculousness in my life? Well, surprise! (laughs) I'm starting a podcast, and it's called The Ruckus with me, Naomi Ruckus Rose. This podcast is for anyone like me who is constantly trying to grow for the betterment of themselves and for the world and for those of us that can be a little blunt in the comment section on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But wait, there's more. This podcast is free to listen to. But if you want to support local creators and get bonus content, subscribe to LAS Plus. For more information on that, go to LASpodcastnetwork.com. So join the ruckus with me, Naomi, every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. I love you all, some more than others. L-A-S. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another another episode of A Load of BS, the podcast where we talk about all things brand strategy, business strategy, boat snacks, all sorts of BS happens in this room. Um, Thank you for joining us today. With me is a very special guest, Steve Shriver. Hello. Steve, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. This is not your first time in the studio. No, but first time sitting in a room with you alone talking about BS, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of this studio, this podcast is produced by Elias Podcast Network. I highly recommend checking out EliasPodcastNetwork.com for a bunch of awesome podcasts. Um, and if you want some exclusive content, uh, check out EliasPodcastNetwork.com slash plus for bonus episodes and the like. Steve. Yes. Um, thank you for coming. This is really exciting. Um, you have a lot of brands. Yeah. More than the average person, probably. Correct. More than the average business owner. Blood pressure rising. (laughs) (laughs) How many brands are you, do you have right now? Oh my God. I mean, let's, well, okay. Uh, So within the Ecolypse family, I mean, we've got the Ecolypse brand and we've got the Bug Soother brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Ecolypse organic lip balm, Bug Soother, Bug Repellent. Uh, We continually work on, you know, expanding those. And then we've got the restaurant Bohemia, cafe, coffee shop. Uh, we've got Soko Outfitters, uh, outdoor store, camping, mm-hmm. hiking, and then the Olympic, uh, the Olympic Southside Theater, which is an event venue. So that alone is really five different businesses, five different industries. I'm also uh, the CEO of, of a, uh, an outlet, uh, electrical outlet company, mm-hmm. and we don't have a brand yet for that product, but so that will be another one. And it may or may not be something that I'm not thinking of right now. <laughs> Wow. Um, that's impressive. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't have the real numbers on this, but I'm guessing most business owners probably start one business in their life. Right, <laughs> maybe <right. laughs> maybe two. That's um, true. And apart from those brands, is it true that you also were involved in the founding of Raining Rose? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's so. my two oldest daughters, Hadley Rose and Lindsay Rain. 
So oh, okay. that, their brand name was named after my two first kids. That's awesome. Yeah. We had a whole episode about uh, naming your brand uh, on this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. That's, oh, man, Soko. That's, that'd be a fun if you want to get into that naming thing later or, or some other time. Yeah, Soko's a really cool name. Um, Bohemia is also a cool name, which wasn't the original name of your of the cafe. Right, right. Um, so the first thing that I like to ask guests on the show, and by that I mean the one guest I've had so far, um, <laughs> I will continue asking this question. What is brand? What does brand mean to Steve Schreiber? Oh, man, I wish I would have thought about this uh <laughs> yeah we didn't prep steve for right. this um, um his own podcast he doesn't prep himself for it so i figured why prep him for go. this one <laughs> um what brand is to me is is my connection to the customer uh and i'm not sure if that's you know that's if that's the, the right answer the standard answer that i love you, it yeah it's just that is who we are to our customer that's abs- that's absolutely uh, an amazing definition i love that you said that it's your connection to the customer too you didn't say it's my company's connection to the customer. Did, was right. that intentional? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it all, it's all, you know, it all works together. So, like, if I'm not connected to the customer in some fashion or degree and don't understand what is relevant to them, then it's really hard for me to own a company that can be connected. Absolutely. We, we've talked about, um, on this podcast, we've talked about authenticity in a brand, um, we've talked about you a few times mm-hmm. um, on this show, particularly talking about um, Ecolips. I did sort of a sort of a, uh, a brand overview of Ecolips one time yeah, just on my I own. Or, yeah, but, we uh, talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just curious to see. You know, I know you personally, but I didn't know much about Ecolips because I personally don't use lip balm. So I just wanted to go check it out and see what is this brand all about. Mm-hmm. And it was just it had Steve Shriver all over. It had Andrew Shriver all over. You know, it, you guys pour yourself into your brands. It's not just, um, it's not like you were just sitting around one day and you're like, I'd like to make a bunch of money. Let's pick something random and right. and make some lip balm. Like you, you both care about various things. You care about people, you care about uh, the environment, you care about earth. Um, and these things carry forth into all of your brands. Um, not just, not just Eclipse. I know it carries, you know, you're wearing Patagonia right now and they mm-hmm. have a very similar mission statement. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I love that. I love how much you and your co-founders come through in your brands. I imagine it'd be very difficult for you to manage a business like, I don't know, like that sells Hummers or something, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's like my, my, my only failure, uh, failed business, I should say, is the carpet cleaning business. And, and I got, I got, we started the first green carpet cleaning business or first environmentally friendly carpet cleaning business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was that a friend came to me and said, Hey, I know how to do this. I want to start a business. And I said, I'll help you as long as you make it sustainable. So we worked together to make it sustainable. We branded it be green carpet clean mm-hmm. and it, the business, I mean, I was not passionate about cleaning carpets. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I didn't plan on working in the business either. I just wanted to be the, the owner strategist and, uh, but it, it failed, you know, and I, I've, partially because of my interest in that particular industry. Right. Yeah. So I think you're right. And I, so we've chosen definitely curated our ownership and stuff to really, you know, to, to give, you know, to, to be a big part of our lives and to, you know, give us more fulfillment in life. Yeah. And it's hard to be 
sustainable. It's not like it's just a uh, decision that you just make and then, okay, we're, we're sustainable now. There's, you know, you look at the Nubo City Market, they um, they have some requirements for their for the, the shops that are in there that they have to use, like, uh, I don't know the specifics, yep. but like recyclable utensils and things yep. like that. Compostable. And these yep. things cost more money than, you know, just going and buying the plastic stuff. And so yep. um, it takes effort, it takes money, um, and it's not easy to to be sustainable and that can actually be somewhat of a burden on a business so why why do it right right so for me it's like i don't i don't really want to and so i'm, I'm not going to lie to you you know um we don't use compostable uh disposable silverware at bohemia because mm-hmm. we can't figure out a way to afford it yep. right but e- you know each business that we have does have a people planet profit sort of motive um on the far end of it, it'd be like, you know, the Olympic is bringing community together. And if we, you know, if we can offer the place up for community events at a discount or for free, we're fulfilling our mission in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're leveraging money that we've made from other businesses to make that accessible and available. Um, but why be sustainable, I think, is, you know, it's part of like, you know, uh, it it's just important i I believe the thing that is easy for people to understand is that sustainability also includes profit and so like if you're talking business wise it's like oh yeah well okay you know um you know profit is a key component of the triple bottom line people Mm -hmm. planet and profit so that makes it seem okay because you're like oh cool you're focusing on profit then you must you're not just some like hippy dippy airy fairy (laughs) dude trying to change the world yeah there's there's the difference when you say, is your business sustainable? There's two different like meanings. They could right. be saying, do you have a, a good business model that brings in pro- profit, brings in more money than you're spending right. and it allows you to exist. Um, but then the meaning I'm going for is, you know, environmentally the sustainable. Green, exactly. Yep. Socially and, and, you know, environmentally responsible. Yep. And so uh, for, it's just like, I just feel like, uh, somebody's got to focus on it, right? Like not everybody in the world really cares about sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have people championing, championing it, it then uh, it's, it, it will not, it, you can either be part of the solution or part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I'm a part of the solution. Sure. So, and as a, like, I'm a capitalist too, man. So as a person that is striving to have a bigger net worth and make more money and all this stuff, like it definitely helps me sleep better at night knowing that I'm also giving money away, um, helping underrepresented populations in different parts of the world through the supply chain, you know, through the products we purchase, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, it, it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And even though there's a risk involved, um, you know, for, for some people like yourself, it's, it's more about it's more than just a business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's expenses and it's more expensive and you're, you also might be narrowing your target audience a little bit. Um, but it's worth it and you're making it work. But I also would say like, I, one of the things I like to say is don't start a business, start a movement. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, shark tank, I, the other night they were just like, this sounds more like a movement than, than, uh, than a business. And it's like, well, there was a, there was a, uh, a bread, a keto bread on there that got just railed. <laughs> but like, but, as far as starting a movement, um, that it's like we, I'll use Soko as an example, you know, Soko Outfitters, 
we started this outdoor store in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, independently owned, and we're doing, and we're renting kayaks. And this is something that didn't exist in Cedar Rapids. And so we're starting a movement with the community to head in this direction. So Mm -hmm. we've got followers and supporters. Uh, So it's so much fun to gain momentum like that. Then from the staffing standpoint, like, you know, they've, the people that work there and, and our other businesses feel like they are, you know, part of something bigger than just a business. Mm-hmm. And it's, so there's, there's a whole addition of this, like this soul in the business when you have a greater meeting than just, mm-hmm. you know, a clothing, you know, outdoor clothing store. Yeah. I love that word soul. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of definitions of brand, um, and I've talked a lot about, um, some, some branding sort of giants, uh, Marty Neumeyer and, and Fabian Garhalter and, and whatnot. And I think it was Fabian who, who has used the word soul to describe or define the word brand before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that. Um, you know, you, you mentioned um, people being part of your movement. I think that's huge. You know, there's, there's so many products out there that are successful for different reasons. I don't think anybody out there feels like they're part of the seven up movement, but right. seven <laughs> up sells people buy seven up. Well, I'm drinking it right true. now. Um, but that's not going to work for for every kind right. of business. And we, as small business startups, uh, you have so many more barriers than a seven mm-hmm. seven up does. Yep. So you you know you need you need every single bit of ammunition you can get. Yeah. Um, from everything from gaining your customers to gaining your you know to, to holding on to your employees. Yep. So uh, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And yeah. the only reason I'm drinking Seven Up is because that's all that was in the fridge, right? Right. Seven Up hasn't turned me into like a like a member of their tribe. Um, people, people go to Bohemia because, you know, they're, you're not the only coffee shop in Cedar Rapids. No, nope. <laughs> you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a coffee right. shop in Cedar Rapids, <laughs> but people go to yours consistently for various reasons. They like the food. They like you. They like the, the feel. They like the brand. Yep. Um, and there's reasons that they'll go to your coffee shop and not go to the other ones that are maybe even more convenient to them. Yeah. Um, they're, you've, you're building a tribe and I think you're doing that with each one of your, your businesses. There's probably some overlap in in the customer base of your businesses, but for the most part, they all seem completely different. What's it What's it like trying to manage five different brands in different industries for five different target audiences? Right. Wow. Um, so for one, for somebody like me who's you know like uh, had ADHD before it was something <laughs> that was regularly diagnosed, <laughs> it's actually. I love it. I mm-hmm. love being able to just like dive in and be in, in a completely different space with one business and be like, okay, what are, you know, what's our, you know, what's our, what's our messaging? What's, you know, what, well, you know, what's our, who's our customer? What are we selling and how are we going to sell it and connect to them? And to go from doing that at a mass scale level, like in Ecolips to, you know, where we have, we're distributed in 12,000 retail stores nationwide to having a singular brick and mortar uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of, um, you know, enjoyment in, in that, like in shifting gears and mm-hmm. just, you know, saying, all right. I, I also like, as I practice business, um, I want to, I mean, I'm not great. I, I mean, I would say that none of those businesses are phenomenal at marketing. I think we're, we're good um, mm-hmm. and better than some other businesses at marketing, but there's always room to improve. So I'm also sure. like always trying to figure out. And the other benefit is like, Hey, we tried this over here and it worked. Can we try it over here? Mm-hmm. Even going from a brick and mortar to a national distribution, just a, a simple, you know, 
a simple message or a new t- tool on uh, TikTok or Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, and. I'm going to make an assumption here that um, you're at least somewhat good at delegating yeah. <laughs> tasks. <laughs> yeah, no. So there's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I will say that like, yo, know, yeah, the other, like I'm full of cliches, but like when in doubt, mar- delegate it out, yep. like when in doubt, just delegate it out. Um, but that allows, so it allows me to really, um, to really look at whole other markets, whole other industries to travel, to see how other people are, are doing in a cafe business or a venue or, um, you know, other, uh, industries. And, uh, yeah, marketing is also something I love. And mm-hmm. I, I figured out once we, you know, I was like sales and marketing is kind of fun and cool. And <laughs> I didn't love the, the operation side of things is more, it was just more of a, you know, I, uh, um, obligation once I sold the product, mm-hmm. it's like, shoot, I got to, I got to build it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I think that's another thing to recognize as a, as an owner, um, or brand owner is to say, you know, if you, if you like it and you can prove to yourself and your business that you're moderately good at it, then you should continue being a part of it. But if you're, if you're not good at it, uh, you should try to continue to understand it and improve, but maybe hire it out to a professional at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do, I've been doing web development for about four years and, um, you know, there's, there's just things that I'm not good at and I could try to be the guy who wears all the hats and try to do everything. Um, and I might make more money on a particular project since I'm doing everything, but that customer's not going to get as good of a product and they're not going to be as excited about it. And they're not going to want to tell everybody about it versus if I spend some money and I hire people who are really good at design and, and development and whatnot, I might make less money in that moment, but that customer is going to be much more happy and much more likely to tell people about what we did, um, which will allow me to charge more in the future. Yada, 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 grow the business. Yeah. Um, So I've talked about this before, the importance of, you know, a lot of people, when you talk about brand, they always want to think about business to consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, But what about business or you as a founder, CEO to your employees? How important Mm. is it to, build and cultivate your brand to your employees Ooh, that's a good one dang curveball got him Jeez. <laughs> i mean i think i you know the first thing that comes to mind is having the strong enough foundation of that movement within the business for people to jump on and go like i you know i want to be a part of this thing mm-hmm. i want to i want to go um my brand to the employees specifically, I think is, I think, uh, is that they are like, he's a, you know, kind of a crazy entrepreneur guy that has a bunch of different stuff going on. They're not wrong. Right. Right. (laughs) And, and they, you know, they, they, I think, think of me as a entrepreneur that's trying to create positive change. I think, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I don't, purposely try to build my brand or my credibility with my people. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm -hmm. I just try to do what I do. And I know that I'm creating jobs, ideally good jobs that, you know, that take care of the people. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. we take care of each other. Yeah. Would you found, um, like I don't, so you and Andrea founded Eclipse, right? Is there any other co-founders? Yeah. So Jim King, 
out on the West Coast. Okay. Uh, yep. He, so Ecolips, when we had Raining Rose, we started, we were like, let's start an organic lip balm brand. Mm-hmm. And our top sales rep on the West Coast was Jim King. And he was a you know third party sales rep. And he, and he was like, it was he actually said let's start an organic lip balm and i said cool let's call it ecolips we were good friends you know we got together and launched this product the first organic lip balm on the market at the time and uh and so yeah co-founder jim king and then he uh you know continued running his business out on the west coast his private private label business and Mm -hmm. then i grew ecolips here in the midwest okay if um how much more difficult would this process be if your wife slash co-founder didn't really care about the environment oh god yeah uh you know it wouldn't uh, we i think we would have failed yeah i mean it would have been the car the green carpet cleaning all over again she wouldn't right. have been cared about it as much as you did and right why are we you know why would you waste money on a biodegradable container why mm-hmm. would you waste money on recycled packaging why would we give money to xyz organization yeah you know there would have been fighting uh, or at yeah. least conflict there. Yeah. Um, so how, so it's, it's important that your co-founders align with your mission. Um, but how, you know, how important is it that the person running the cash register, Bohemia cares about Bohemia's mission? Right. That's, you know, interesting for sure. Uh, you know, and I don't, want to make them believe and you know i certainly love it and i see it I, I see a pivot a lot of times probably more than half of our employees in all the businesses uh at some point they drink the kool-aid mm-hmm. and you see a shift and you're like oh wow oh, okay cool i get what i'm a part of now um but as far as you know believing in the mission um i i don't think it's fully necessary for that person i think it's great when they do mm-hmm. and you can tell when somebody work in the register, you know, when I get a, when I get a review or a text or something that says, you know, the staff is always so friendly and they were like, you know, they treat me like family. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's validation. Yeah. Yeah. And there definitely is a difference. I mean, um, you know, Bohemia, like you said, always very friendly. Um, there's other restaurants and things that just sort of have a, a various reputation. Um, for me, it seems like every Arby's I go to, they're also very friendly. It feels to me like they have some something in their company culture that says, right. we're going to find friendly people who actually want to be here. Like that Chick-fil-A phenomenon. Yeah, Chick-fil-A yeah. is another yeah. one. Like, right. but And then I go into Burger King or Hardee's, and I'm like, these people look like they're being held against their will. Right, <laughs> like, right. Are, they, are there chains attached well, to their ankles or what? Well, here's what I do. Right, right. And I mean, I'll straight up ask somebody. First of all, I don't want anybody working for me that doesn't enjoy their job. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, if you are miserable quit yeah right because and if 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 i see how mis- if i can see how miserable you are uh uh around customers then you're gonna get fired yeah. like i i have had conversations with dozens of people over the years like you don't seem happy like is there a problem do you have a problem with me or mm-hmm. is it the business or are you just having a bad day but it's been three days in a row or three <laughs> weeks in a row yeah. so like you just in my opinion you know if it's that obvious it's just like they they need to find other work yeah uh that's, go, get, go get a warehouse job or something right, right. <laughs> no customers around yeah yeah absolutely but even in a warehouse job i mean if somebody's miserable like you don't i mean 
you know, it, it, it does that energy breeds. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's somewhat cancerous in a, in a work environment. So even in a warehouse job that can, that can ripple to other places yep. uh, in the business. So, and the quality of their work is going to suffer. No, right. very, it's very, very difficult to do a good job at something that you hate doing. Yeah. Um, that's true. You know, there's a lot of great work ethic here in the Midwest, but we're all human. And I mean, the truth is the happier your employees are, the better job they're going to do. Amen. That's why we do a culture survey every every oh, yeah. year at Ecolips, and it's very vulnerable. We we have a third party come in and give fifty or sixty questions on a in a document, that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's intense. It's yeah. like yeah, this is so we're measuring the culture of our employees, and to, you know, and then there's there's also there's free form questions where they can just you know what don't you like, where mm-hmm. are you unhappy, and we take each each answer and meet about it, and if you know and try to try to use it as a guide for change in the future mm-hmm. try to score better next year yeah and i think that that sort of intentional effort comes through eventually to the customer um right you know we mentioned you know the the happier they are the better job they're going to do um we talked a little bit about in another episode amazon versus zappos and their strategies mm-hmm. um they both have reputations for having good customer service but they seem to be taking two different um, strategies to get there. Zappos is all about if I make my employees happy, they'll make my customers happy. Yep. Amazon seems to have kind of an attitude. If I whip my employees hard enough, they'll make our customers happy. Right. And, I mean, it, it seems to be working because I've always had great experience with Amazon's customer service. But I wonder what kind of turnover rate they have. Um, right. And what they're just what they're doing to, to employees. And maybe some of the stuff I've read is kind of hyped up. But... Um, it definitely just seems like there's a difference in company culture between those two companies. Yeah. And I mean, in the end, it's like, why, you know, I, if you can get the job done without, you know, cracking the whip or mm-hmm. whatever, then why not, you know, give people an opportunity to, 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 to prove themselves rather than proving that you are going to make them do their job. Yeah. You know, I mean, turnover is expensive. I'm sure, you know, like yeah. you don't want to have to keep rehiring people. Ideally, you'd like to hire one person and they stay, you know, yep. forever, you know. Yep. Um, I've seen somebody, I don't know who said it at first, but I've seen, you know, this on LinkedIn before, something about, you know, treat your, your employees so well. Um, oh, it's like train your employees so that they could leave the company, but treat them so well that they don't want to. There something to that effect, yep. you know, like Perfect. give them the resources they need to make, to make them successful. So they could leave you and go work somewhere else and make a bunch more money or whatever. Um, but treat them so well that, you know, maybe they don't want to, yep. maybe they would even sacrifice a pay cut to stay and work for your company. Cause they, they like your mission and they, you know, they're part of your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to, to, just kind of on a personal note, I've wanted to talk to you about this brand I saw at Walmart. I'm not going to tell you the name of the brand because I don't remember, but I talked about it with Eric Engelman a few weeks ago. So you mentioned Bug Soother. Bug Soother is a um, a bug repellent that's made from all natural ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. There's no DEET or any other chemicals like that in it. I saw a similar product at Menards, um, all natural bug repellent, um, but they also had a uh, a version that had DEET in it, so like a traditional bug repellent that you'd mm-hmm. expect, from the same company, right next to each other on the shelf. Um, and I, I've wanted to talk to you about yeah, this ever since yeah. I saw it because, you know, I look at that and my first thought is, you know, what is their, like very clearly their only goal is to make money. I mean, they're trying to mm-hmm. to 
to hit every single person in the market possible. If you're into the all natural stuff, we want to sell you something. If you don't care, you just want chemicals, we want to sell you something. Yep. They're not going for, they're not trying to build a tribe. They're just trying to sell as many units as possible. And I just thought that was very interesting that they would have those, you know, right next to each other. And then you look at, at Bug Scooter, obviously you're not doing that. You have the yep. all natural version yep. and that's it. Yep. Because you guys are trying to do more. You you understand that if somebody's looking for DEET, they're not going to buy your product and you're yep. okay with that, right? Yep. Um, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. One, that is the standard model of the bug repellent company mm-hmm. it, or bug repellent brand is, you know, it's like, it's like, they're going to have their all natural version, their kids version, their chemical version, even within the chemical, they're going to might do DEET and Picardin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to have uh, the one for pets. And so, because it, it's also a, um, a seasonal category, it's like, they got to, they just are trying really hard to hit everybody, anybody and everybody yeah. with their brand. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, it dilutes. Yeah. It, it dilutes their whole, you know, their whole meaning, you know, other than, you know, yeah, being like we're gonna satisfy. It's like trying to satisfy everybody and nobody at the same time. Yeah. Uh, for us, we are going to be expanding our product line, mm-hmm. but we would definitely draw the line at deep. Yeah. Like you know, and, and it's the same with Ecolypse. There's certain ingredients that we that are that we are okay using, and our customers know that they trust what we put in our products. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. So Bug that we're gonna draw the line at at those chemicals. Yeah. Um, if you can, the other thing about, you know, our mission, which people buy into is that if you can get the job done with natural, you know, non cancer causing (laughs) ingredients, then Mm -hmm. why not? Yeah. However, there are instances where bug soother won't, you know, work for you. If you're, if you're in Canada, um, fishing, you know, and, you're going to want something stronger. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you need DEET, but you might need something a little stronger than Bug Soother. Yeah. And that's where, so we're right now trying to formulate something that's, you know, a little bit better working, more concentrated that you mm-hmm. won't have to apply as often. Yeah. So we do understand that there are different needs. Sure. But we're not going to just like, you know, roll out one for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tell me if you agree with this. I think, um, you know, we mentioned that there are, some higher costs involved sometimes when you're trying to be environmentally sustainable. But I think if you do it right and you build a tribe of loyal customers, you can probably actually charge more than this brand I mentioned. I didn't compare prices, whatever they're charging for their all natural bug repellent. You could probably charge more than that. And and because people are going to see that they, all they care about is selling as many units to as many people as they can. And they see that you are actually trying to make a difference. And even if they compare the ingredients and they're exactly the same, those people, I believe, will pay you more for your product. Right. So, but my challenge with that, and that's a great point, and I think a lot of people go directly into the premium or super premium realm of, of products, consumer packaged goods, when you start looking at, you know, you add the added benefit um, or feature of natural, organic, fair trade, non-GMO. It's like each one of those could allow you to to justify a higher price. Mm-hmm. We have really uh, been stewards of accessibility. And so like even in 2003 when we founded it, we're like, we want to be, we want to prove that you can do sustainability and still have a competitively priced product. Mm -hmm. We've had our ups and downs with that, but the reason that we're currently um, 
performing so well is because we found a balance where it's like, you know, still under three bucks, mm-hmm. you can get this, this really amazing product. So, um, and consequently we sell a lot more units, mm-hmm. you know, than we would if we had a higher price, at, at least that's what we think. Yeah. I mean, there's a balance. You can't, you can't right. keep raising the price forever. At some point people are going to stop buying it. Yeah. But, but I do. Yeah. So I just, I think it's, it's like where you want to be, um, you know, in that, in that, uh, you know, price spectrum of the mm-hmm. brand, where do you want to, where do you want to be at? Yeah. And we're, we're always, we're like, if we can still make money as a company and do good things and treat our people well, um, then we're going to give it, we're going to share that with the, with the customers. Yeah. We're going to, you know, that's where we say like we have, we take all, all, uh, stakeholders into account, not just the shareholders mm-hmm. and the stakeholders are our customer and our community. And so like by having uh, a product that, you know, that is affordable, that doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons why I love the fact that you agreed to come on the show because so you have the Ecolypse where you're not trying to, um, you know, you're not just going for, let's see how much we can charge for this. Um, and I'm not saying that this other company does this, but uh, Patagonia is definitely a high-end product yeah. and they know it. And they, I mean, I think if you go to their website, at some point they even mentioned like, yeah, we're expensive. We get it because we do this, this, and this, and we're not only are you getting a great product, but we're also doing this. Uh, you know, part of this mission, things like that. So, you know, there's what a lot of people don't realize is just the price is part of your brand. Can you yep. know if you look at? Can you imagine if iPhone, if the next iPhone only costs four hundred dollars? Yeah. You you at first you think, oh, they would sell so many more units, but I'm like, would they though? Because how many right. people would look at that and go, wait, I'm used to paying nine hundred dollars for an iPhone. This one's only four hundred dollars. What's wrong with it? What am I? What are yep. they sacrificing to get this cost down? Um, and so you know, just the and for a lot of products, the price is the first impression. You know, yeah. maybe you're on Facebook or something and you see a product and, and the, one of the first things you notice about it is a price. And so you immediately made an assumption about that product based on the price. Either yeah. this is a really high-end product or this is cheap. And this is, that's a great, so that would be a great uh, conversation around Soko. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is where, you know, this is a business that has all the, all the right stuff, but um, that accessibility component, I mean, we're accessible because we're brick and mortar in Cedar Rapids, but mm-hmm. we're definitely, we've had a few customers come in and say, you're, you know, that, wow, this is a really expensive store. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the model exists. We're in the outdoor industry. We're carrying brands like Patagonia and Fjall Raven and Prana and, uh, in, in, uh, Steo and, um, and Viore and all these really well-built brands. And mm-hmm. what, what we like about it, it's like buy it nice or buy it twice. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you buy something, you know, from Patagonia, it's going to last you longer than if you're buying a, you know, clothing by the pound mm-hmm. at the gap. And so, that helps uh, that whole thing. But we, what's really been surprising at SoCo for one is that we've gotten, because it is considered higher end, right? I mean, it's, a, it is, we're, you know, Patagonia is a little bit, you know, it's more expensive, mm-hmm. but we've even brought in more expensive brands in Patagonia. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 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 Parajumper and we're, we're bringing these coats that are like $1,200, $1,800 mm-hmm. for a coat. And they, and I'm like, that's not going to sell. That is not, I mean, like <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea who's going to buy that sold out of them. Wow. So, you know, it's like there, I was talking to a car dealer and, and I was, um, long time ago, I, I played, I, I 
was a dealer and I would, and I would, and I would buy like BMWs and, and Lincolns and Cadillacs and then sell them on eBay before like everybody was selling online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this guy, this old guy next to me was like, was like, he was buying these, you know, Ford fusions and stuff. And I'm like, how do you sell that to somebody? Cause I mean, like I can talk up a BMW all day long, but how do you sell this Ford fusion? Mm-hmm. And he's like, son, there's an ass for every seat. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that's brilliant, man. Yes. Like I'm because on both ends of the spectrum, there's right. people who want exactly. the cheap stuff. There's people who want the high end stuff. Yeah. So you just have to be careful and make sure that the majority of your, what you know, your the inventory that you're going to carry and sell, uh, fits the primary demographic of the people shopping in the store, but you might have that person coming in, you know, on one end and the other. And so even within the sort of the premium, you know, apparel space that Soko is in, we do have a range, mm-hmm. you know, you could get, oh, yeah. you can get a waterproof jacket for, you know, maybe, you know, closer to a hundred bucks and you could buy a $400 version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but we're not, you can't find one for forty nine ninety nine. you yeah. know? So yep. that's the trick. Absolutely. And you, I mean, and you could try to do that, but I don't think it would work very well for you because it would just, you know, it, your brand would become cloudy at that mm-hmm. point. Like, what is SoCo? Well, and then the other problem with it is too, like we have, you know, we have margin expectations, and 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 we have to, we have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. We built that on those those higher priced items. So if we were to offer, I mean, this is a marketing show, so it's like, if we did a forty nine ninety nine, that was that was causing sales to decrease on our two hundred dollar jackets. Um, we're, we're, people are trading down, mm-hmm. we're making fewer of them. We need to have more of them, the lower cost one in stock, which takes more space, which costs more, you know, money mm-hmm. for that. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta figure out that equation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, every marketing branding person will, t- will say things like, you know, it's important to find a niche and, um, I've heard your brand or um, your vibe attracts your tribe, all these things that sort of they sound exclusionary and i and it, i think our first instinct is to try to be inclusionary inclusive yeah and and but that's you know that's just almost never going to work i mean unless you're like walmart but even walmart you don't go to walmart to buy patagonia so they're not right. doing everything walmart right. is doing the cheap stuff uh-huh. soco's doing the good stuff right. and which is great because not everybody can afford a $1800 right. jacket right. so it's good that walmart exists but some people want that one jacket that they never have to buy another jacket again, that they know is going to work. It's going to keep them warm when it's cold. And so we need both. We need Patagonia's. We need Walmart's. Yeah. We need everything. But one company trying to be both Walmart and Patagonia probably just isn't going to work. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, Steve, what has it been like five minutes? (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I know. Um, Before we go, do you, as as the owner and founder of of many companies and many brands, what advice do you have for a new business regarding their brand? Man, again, thanks for not emailing me in advance with these <laughs> questions. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, what advice for somebody? I mean, it's, you know, I think you should continually try new things um uh and you know the when something works hold on to it and keep doing it um i mean really it's like that's it's such a huge question (laughs) um 
for one, advice to somebody who has a business or a brand, it's like uh, definitely connect with your customers as hardcore as you can. And I mean, I'm talking to the level of like, what are, you know, well, I ask, I ask our, my people, I was like, what, what magazines do our customers subscribe to? Like, what are they reading? You know? Mm -hmm. And, or even online, are they, is, are we talking CNN customers? We have Fox news, you know, like, mm -hmm. and then trying to really understand, because once you understand who your customer is, um, you can, you can speak to them more directly and relevantly. So, um, just really understanding the customer and then just doing a good job of that, of, you know, communicate or deteriorate. It's like getting multiple touch points uh, out at them, not too much, mm -hmm. just enough. And just trying to communicate with them, let them know why they should buy from you without telling them why they should buy from you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, I heard somebody say one time that you shouldn't even worry about your brand until you've been in business for five years. What do you think of that? Ooh. Hot take. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I don't agree. Um, I would say that you should worry about your brand uh, a year before you launch your business. That's amazing. I love it. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because yeah. it's always a risk asking someone a question and then they say something you completely disagree that you're right, with. You'd be like, get out of my studio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, you said that brand, uh, your definition of brand is you connecting to a customer. Yeah. How could you possibly put that off for five years? You know? Right. Exactly, man. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. Steve, I'm, I'm so glad you came here. This has been amazing. Um, hopefully it wasn't too long. 30-ish minutes-ish. Ish. Yeah. 40 minutes. Perfect. Yeah. Right in the sweet spot. Great content. Um, thank you for coming. I will, you, of course, include the many, many links to the many things that Steve does in um, the podcast episode, which you can find on Spotify, Apple, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. Please check it out. Um, give us a five-star review if you liked what you heard. Thanks, guys. Woo! The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit laspodcastnetwork.com. LAS.